testing. One, two, three. Good. Testing. Let me test my voice now. No oh, clipping. We're you're good. You're a little louder. No, we're, well, I'm louder because I have a deeper voice. Do we have to not talk over each other? We can talk over each oh other. Oh my God, I don't know what to do. Stop. That <laughs> was good. Hey, it's Mrs. and Mr. Mad Money Monster, and you are listening to The Mad Money Monster Show. Yay! <laughs> hey, we're back. It is Mrs. Mad Money Monster along with Mr. Mad Money Monster. <laughs> and we are thrilled to be recording another podcast for you today. Uh, today we're going to talk about right-sizing your real estate. And I know you hate that term. Yes. Okay, basically picking the right size house for you? Yeah, that that would be simple enough to say. <laughs> All these financial terms. It's such you know, a flashy to, term. It sounds so... Clickbaity. Yeah. It's, <laughs> just buy the right size house. Well, I have a... I have a few wise friends in my life that I, I typically consult when I have big decisions to make. And I can remember um, quite a few years ago, probably about 12 years ago, maybe even a little bit longer at this point, one of my wise friends who at the time, both in our 20s, uh, she she had just purchased a, a ta- not a townhouse, it was a, a semi-detached in the city and it was very nice location very nice home not a large home by any stretch and I can remember her saying I enjoy living in the appropriate sized house or in an appropriate sized house and that just really stuck with me as being just a really insightful and smart thing to say for someone in their 20s sure right I I wasn't saying that right I, I exactly but I try to I try to borrow from these smart people that that come in and out of my life and try to incorporate that into my into my own being not always successful but you know I try. Well actually we're going to go into a story about us uh, about 4 years ago. Yep. Where we almost committed financial suicide as I like to say by buying a, a house we couldn't comfortably afford. So Well why don't we talk about first how you and I both share the same love for a certain style house, why we just don't buy any house. Yes, this is true. So, you know, the house we live in, I bought on my own back in 2010. And I actually bought it as a as a future rental property, although it's probably not the best rental property as far as price. It was overpriced to be a rental property, Right. So if you go by the 1% rule, you know, you should get 1% in rent as compared to the purchase price. So if you buy a house for $200,000, you should be able to get at least 2000 a month in rent for that. Now it's a little bit more complicated than that, but that's back before I even knew about the 1% rule. So I, I did not know. <laughs> I just I just bought this house mm. thinking, hey, this is good. It's by the highway. Well, it's, it's close to the highway. It doesn't sit on the highway, but it's close enough. Um, it has three bedrooms, two baths. It would be a it would be an easy rent. I, I think it's it would be good to express that we actually have a really nice house and it's in a really good location. It was a new build. It was a spec house, but it was built on not in a not in a development or neighborhood. It was it's on a dead end road, so it was a scattered lot that the builder found, um, built a brand new house on it. It's a contemporary rancher, I guess you you would call it. Um, but it's pretty small. So the main floor is only about 1,300 square feet. 
Um, so yeah, I knew it was a smaller house. However, I was on my own at the time. So it was, you know, I could have, I could afford it. Bought the house. It does have a full basement. You know, it's, it's kind of, I guess what you would call like kind of a cookie cutter, right? Would you say that? Yeah, definitely. And again, nothing it's, wrong it's with. It's a stick built house, but it is to a definite plan. It's, it's nothing that you haven't seen before. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a very standard home. Yes. And again, nothing against cookie cutter. Maybe I shouldn't have used that term. Mr. Man Money Monster and I actually really prefer two distinct styles of homes, which are hard to come by in this area. We're in the Northeast in Pennsylvania, and we actually like uh, mid-century modern. That's our favorite. (laughs) And then a close second is the Cedar Contemporary. Yeah, like a chalet, kind of high ceiling. Right, like a wooded lot, and yeah. it's so difficult. Well, actually, either one of those homes on a wooded we we definitely want a wooded lot. We met probably, what was it, 2013? 2013. Late 2013, and, you know, again, we, we covered this in other podcasts and other blog posts, but we, we started dating, and like any new couple in love, right, we weren't really counting our pennies or making a budget or... Or doing anything like that. So, you know, going out to dinner all the time. Going, you know, just, just engaging in whatever we wanted to do to move the relationship forward, right? Like, we wanted to go out to the movies. We weren't batting an eye. Uh, is, that, is that the expression, batting an eye? Yeah, I, I guess. <laughs> what, what you're kind of leaving out is, is you have these impulses where suddenly it's like, I want a house. Okay. And we've got to get a true. house. That, that is That's, true. That is, that is so not true. Don't listen true. to him. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can be impulsive at times, but so can you. I'm not arguing. But no, it was not an impulse. This is something, look, I love real estate. Anybody who reads the blog knows that. And that that stems from growing up in a trailer where I just was so impressed by you know, r- real houses, right? So I've I've always had this draw toward houses so different types of houses and how they're decorated and how just everything about them so I, I pay a lot of attention and for my life I've always wanted look I I want that American dream right that that big impressive home you know the the house I bought that we still live in um it's not the big impressive home right it's just the standard little house and again there's nothing nothing wrong with that and and if you live in a little house, that's fantastic, you know. Well, I don't ju- think we need to apologize. Well, I don't, I don't want to offend anybody because, you know, well, I, I feel like... if anybody's offended, that, that's not the point of this. I mean, it, right. it, you know, look... This is our story. It's, it's our story. Right. And, and most of all, we all know, pretty much everybody listening to this knows that they've all wanted something more at one time in their life. So it's not about offending somebody because they may have lived in a small home or a trailer or a row house or a half a double. It doesn't matter about that. It's what we were looking for. The The American dream has no parameters and it, it means something to you and it can mean something to me and it means something to someone else. And others will say there is no American dream. So the point was, yes, we have a standard defined house. It's a nice home. It's on a nice piece of property, but it's not exactly what both of us want. The point really is, is we went looking. We didn't sit down. We didn't create a budget. We really weren't intending, I don't think, to actually launch our home search at that time. I think we went out to maybe an open house or maybe we called, maybe we saw something on realtor.com that we wanted to see and we called the listing agent. And I think, again, that's how we got our, our current realtor. Um, so yeah. And then the house wasn't exactly like the first house we saw wasn't exactly 
what we wanted, needed some updates. Um, and then before we knew it, we're signing with the realtor. Yes. Right. Do you remember that? I, I mean, do remember that. I think that's pretty standard. You know, if you're going to take up someone's time and you're going to continue to look and you don't have a realtor, they ask you to sign with them. So you have a contract for a certain amount of time. So you can't use another realtor. So we, we did that. And then before we knew it, we were setting up more showings with this realtor and, and more showings. And, and then the price, our purchase price just kind of ballooned. Whereas initially we were looking for something 300,000 or under, which is still a, a good chunk of money. Um, before we knew it, we were looking at houses that were over 400,000. And, and what happens, I think, is, is that you, you start surrendering your willpower because you so want something and you see, well, all right, maybe that's not too much. And well, I guess I could give that. And, and before you know it, as you had said, you know, 300 becomes 350 and then 350 right. is 355. And before you know it, you've crept up over this $400,000 mark. And then when you get there, you, you kind of sit back and you go, when did this happen? And also, I think you start thinking in terms of, well, what would another $20,000 you do to the mortgage payment each month. So you start thinking in those payment terms. Um, of course, if you're not paying cash, we certainly weren't going to. So we were planning on taking on a mortgage. But, you know, so I was thinking, okay, a hundred every $100,000 is about 500 a month on a mortgage. That was just my roundabout uh, number that I would use. However, the houses we were looking at, you know, were in a good school district, actually in the same school district we're in now, but when you buy a bigger house and a nicer lot in, you know, a nicer quote unquote neighborhood, you're going to pay more taxes. Yes. So we do, you know, for our little house here, we pay, I think, 4200 a year. So to move up to that next level, to upsize our house, we're looking at doubling that. Yes. <laughs> and that, uh, not, not in every, not in every scenario, but in... In a lot of the scenarios, if we were looking at a four hundred thousand dollar house, we're looking at seven thousand, eight thousand, and up. Yes. Um, for taxes, so that that is a huge expense. I, I don't need to tell anybody that. So, we found the house of our dreams. Right? It was like house number twenty. We looked at. Let Let me interject. Here. Okay. The house of my dreams is on top of a mountain on five hundred acres somewhere where I can't see a neighbor for as far as I could fire a rifle. Oh, wait. And the house of my dreams is in California. It's a Joseph Eichler, right. a mid-century in, in Palo modern. Alto with, yes. you know, costing a million dollars. No, it's way more than yeah. that. They they run about two to five million and So it, it, this house was not the house of our dreams, but it checked off a lot of the boxes yeah. is yeah, what yeah, it yeah. did. It had, it had the big vaulted ceilings. It was well-kept. I had a very open, you know, main living space, uh, you know, finished basement. basement. It was a wooded lot. Correct. So this house, this house was a cedar contemporary, which is easier to find around here than the mid century. But, and it was listed for 412. So I don't know how we went from less than 300 to. Well, I know how we went because we we saw about 15 houses in between. I know. I know. (laughs) That's how we went. Exactly. The house hadn't been on the market long, so the sellers weren't willing to cooperate or negotiate, I guess is the word. Our initial offer was 385. Something along that line. Yeah. Upper threes. It was 385. Our agent called us back, said, no, they countered at 412, which was full ask, which 
come on. <laughs> well, and, and again, they felt, and maybe rightly so, that they had something here. And the house was not on the market long. So Correct. they figured, why are we going to undersell ourselves if we just sit another couple weeks? If these people don't take it, someone surely is going to come along and offer something at least better than their initial offer. So in one way, you can't blame them. No, I know. But but still, I, I you know, countering it full ask, you know, kind of, Kind of rubs me the wrong way, but that's just my personal opinion. Sure. Um, so, so we went back. I think at oh maybe four oh five something like that, and then they countered at full ask again. So they're not budging, right? So basically, if we want this house, we're gonna have to pay the sticker price. At this point, we're emotionally involved, right? Because, yes. Because it checks a lot of our boxes. It's the Cedar Contemporary. It's in the right school district. It's in the right neighborhood. I think it was a three-car garage. It was a three-car garage. It was just gorgeous and a wooded lot, you know. So we went ahead and said, okay, we'll do the we'll full do the ask. full ask. Now, you also have to be aware that we weren't planning on selling our current house. We were going to rent it out. So, you know, the house that I bought over overbought for a for a rental um was certainly not going to bring in I I think I paid 223 by the way for this for the house we live in but it was certainly not not going to bring in 2300 a month so it it was going to bring in hmm, maybe 1500 um so that's quite a quite a gap there that I would have been that I would be making up um now we could have sold it we yes. could have put it on the market and sold it but we but you tell know, them why well, this is part of my issue. Right. <laughs> I'm emotionally See, there attacked. are a lot of moving parts of, of this, folks. Of course, of course, of course. And that's okay. Well, one, right, it's personal. Personal right. finance is personal. Personal it's not, finance is It's personal. not always the, the right. smartest decision. It's not always the smartest financial move. Look, I know the smartest financial move is to put the house in the market and sell it. I, I do want to keep this home uh, for a future rental still. And actually, today, I think we could get close to what I, I paid so for it for, as far as the 1% rule. We also have another rental that I brought into the marriage that is um, a, a town over from us. And that does fairly well. That pretty much takes care of itself. But, you know, I still have a mortgage on that. So the tenants are basically buying us an asset. So they're they're paying down that mortgage each month. Um, but again, there's, you know, there's still costs associated with it. Sure. Um, and they're very good tenants. Yes. And, you know, I think I've had the house for 12 years now. Now my mom lived it, lived in it for a few years. We've had two sets of tenants. So that's fantastic. Yeah. So we're going into this $412,000 contract with two rentals, with two mortgages on those rentals. So we're basically going down the path of a third mortgage. Yes. And again, folks, we never sat down and put pen to paper, right? Or, or you know, created a spreadsheet or anything to go over the budget. And, you know, it was, it was pretty, pretty bad. Like, it's a pretty bad story. But I'm sure we're not alone. I'm sure lots of people have done... No, can I interject a Please quick story? Please do. Please do. Does it relate? Or? It relates totally to <laughs> okay. this. In my previous marriage. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. See, again, uh, we, found, we don't always do things we found, right. Right. We <laughs> found a home uh, that was stick built and was way over the budget that we wanted. In fact, our budget was around $150,000 and this house was about $300,000. So way, way over budget. But it was a great buy. I had eight acres of land, the whole thing. 
But you and were in your 20s at this point, I, right? I was in my late 20s, early yeah. 30s at that point. So, yeah. Late so, uh, you know, we're, we're going to get this house. And, and the realtor, uh, you know, said, yes, you, you could do this and, and, and on and on and on. So the night that it came time to sign the final agreements for the home, uh, to, before closing, it's the last of this stuff. It's like this, you know, the whole seller's agreements and all that stuff. Uh, I was a nervous wreck because <laughs> I sat down and, and did the numbers. Finally, the night I before. Did, you... well, no, well, yeah, it was maybe close to that. It was maybe <laughs> was, two nights I might give myself. <laughs> that was 48 hours to go. Like... I, I remembered saying to my ex-wife, well, we could buy this if we don't eat for like three months or something like that. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe we don't have enough furniture for all the rooms and we uh, simply live on paper cups and drink water and, and have sandwiches for <laughs> the next 20 rice. years. Right. <laughs> we could afford this. But we, what was interesting was is how the realtor kept pushing us to do it. And they kept saying, well, in adjusted dollars, I don't know what that means. And I finally even <laughs> said that to them. I said, let me, let me make this clear. I actually took a drive. I said, I need to take a drive. I drove around the neighborhood where the realtor was and I came back and I said, look, we've run the numbers. You don't care what happens to this house after the bank grants the mortgage and you people get your commission. Correct. You could care less what happens to us or this house. (laughs) Correct. And I remembered sitting there looking at my ex-wife across the table going, we will lose this home. We will lose it. There is no doubt. On our salaries at that time, there's no way. We might be able to keep up with it for a couple months, but we're going to lose it. So we ended up not. I pulled the plug on the whole thing. At what? At the 11th hour? At the 11th hour. I mean, right before the... It's like in a movie. Just as that tip of the pen is hitting the paper, it's like, no! And I stopped. And the realtor actually threatened legal action against me. And I said... If I can't afford this house, what are you going to get out of me if you sue me? <laughs> and on top of it, I, I knew the sellers. I knew yeah. them personally. Yeah. And I contacted them and mm-hmm. said, listen, we would love this home. We really would. But we're going to lose. And they were like, that's okay. They sold it in 10 days. Of course. They sold yeah. it to somebody else in 10 yeah, days. Yeah, yeah. So my point in bringing that story up is this house that we're talking about now brought me back to that. I mm-hmm. had flashbacks mm-hmm. of of going, my God, we're buying too much and we're going to be right. house poor. We right. will be house poor. So pretty much, I don't know. It wasn't immediately. I think immediately we were kind of excited. We right? were. Yeah, we were excited. And, uh, you know, we go out for a celebratory dinner. I remember mm-hmm. getting, you know, we're under contract. I put it on Facebook, right? <laughs> Never put it on Facebook. Uh, well, I did. Because then you got to backtrack. Um, we go through with the inspection. We go through with the appraisal, everything. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, everything did not check out with the inspection. And even before the inspection, you know, within a week, I think we, we had the inspection done or something. I can remember we were both starting to feel a little anxious. Because yes. it was becoming more and more of a reality. And in fact, when we each vocalized it, we were both looking at each other like, I feel the same way. Yeah, we were like, we should we do this? Should, maybe we shouldn't do this. You know, maybe yeah. we shouldn't do this. And, and oh my gosh, the the gods smiled upon us with the inspection. Yes. Did they not? So this home was meticulously cared for. I mean, correct. I mean, and they prided themselves. It was on. yeah. It really was. I mean, it was an amazing home. They had they had scrapbooks 
and photos. They built the house. Mm -hmm. They had scrapbooks and photos of them out on like the kitchen counter when we walked through the first time. The day of our inspection, we couldn't go because it was snowing like crazy. We could not even make it Correct. a few miles across town to get and, to our and inspection. Let, and let me add, I was out shoveling the driveway <laughs> as the inspector made it over there to the house to inspect the house. Yeah. And then you got the call. And then I got the call from the inspector saying, this is a beautiful house. I I do have a problem, though. We found a problem. Or I found a problem. I guess he was there on his own. Um, he went up into the attic and there was, there was just mold everywhere. And it was, it was soaking wet. Like the entire, yeah. at, it was like raining in the attic. Yeah. It, now, it looked like you were looking like at a tropical scene in a movie. It was, yeah, it was, there was water, you know, moisture just all over dripping the walls. all yeah. over. And it was covered and in he, black mold. And he said, and he said, I almost couldn't believe what I was seeing after because he had inspected the entire house at that point, And that was like the last thing he had to do. And he said, I, I went up there and I, I just couldn't believe my eyes. It, so basically what it came down to was when they had the roof replaced, the ridge vent that yes. they put on was not big enough. So it was not, I guess, venting, right? There wasn't enough ventilation for, for, um, and it would only get like this on certain under certain conditions. So it just so happened that the day of our inspection, <laughs> we had those perfect conditions that the that the inspector saw that. And and to add to that, the mold was not just located in the attic region where somebody listening could say, well, then you just rip that out and you do that and you take it out. No, he had said and he showed us photographs uh, that the mold had actually gone down the walls behind yeah. the drywall and they took they took samples like air samples and you would think that was the end of the story <laughs> and we both we looked at each other that night and we thought this is our chance we should just you know bail, bail. <laughs> we should we should get out of here <laughs> and nope we we pressed on we pressed on because again those emotions were tugging at us you know this is the time to do it you know our daughter's young you know, this is the time to get into that nice family house upsize, you know, and we pressed on, we had them remediate the issue, which they were certainly going to do anyway. I think we had to move out closing because of it. It went on for a few months at this yes. point, right? It was dragging on several it was, months. It was a few months, um, but they did. They, they, again, they took care of the home meticulously. So they took care of this issue the way they took care of the home. So no issues there. However, um, about two weeks before closing, they did another air sample and they were still getting high counts of mold. You know, with two weeks to go before closing, we finally pulled the plug. Mm-hmm. But before doing so, and we pulled the plug because of the mold. I think we, if think, I think without that mold issue, we still would have settled. We would have moved forward and yes, been, I think so. Been crazy stressed out. And we were both having like panic attacks almost. I mean, I couldn't sleep. I was waking up thinking, oh my gosh, what if we have tenant, you know, tenants move out of, of the house, you know, in the other town. And then what if our current house isn't running? And what if we have to cover three mortgages at once? And again, we were approved for the home, but to comfortably afford three mortgages, ah, Looking back in hindsight, it would have been fine, right? It would have been fine. We would have been fine. 
Yeah, I, th- I think so. And, but fine is a relative term. Right. So when you say fine, you know, you're you, when you say yes to something, you say no to something else. Right. So we said if we would have said yes to that house, we would have said no to, you know, the money we have since invested in our retirement accounts Correct. and our taxable accounts and everything else. So and financially, we're very sound with that money, like you had said. But if we had said yes, it would have been no to that. You are right. Correct. So, you know, yeah, it has to come from somewhere. So if you upsize your house, more of your income is going to go to pay for that house, to maintain that house, to pay the taxes, you know, just everything is rolled up into that house. Not everything, but a good chunk. So that's going to leave less money for investing. So that that's our story of how we nearly committed financial suicide. Look, I have a corporate job, so I have a steady paycheck. You work, you have your own company, you have your own business. So it's almost more like not consultation, but you get paid per contract. Correct. Right. So there's no way to predict if you're going to have a great year or if you're going to have a not so great year. Right. We can't really predict that. So I I, I guess it comes down to why do you want to live that way? Well, right. You know, if, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. We have we have a nice house, nice neighbors, nice property. Why change all of that up to live in stress for a number of years? But but let me back up when you say. Well, you say looking back, we would have been fine. Yes, now knowing what you what you made sure. in that gap, yes, we would have been fine. But had you had a few years that right. were not good years, then it would have been a struggle and definitely stressful. So what we chose to do after that was finish our basement in yes. our current house. So we took we took some cash that we were going to use for the down payment on the on the cedar home, and we we finished our basement. It's a custom finish. It's beautiful. We gained another 800 square feet, so our house is about 2,100 square feet of living space, which for three people is is pretty good. Like, I don't feel like, I feel like the upstairs can get cramped a little bit, but we also have two big dogs and two cats. And, and where are we recording this? <laughs> we are recording this in our beautifully finished basement, which I like to call lower level because it sounds better. And specifically? <laughs> and specifically in your office, baby. That's right, I got yes, an office. he got an office that was one of his... Not demands, but a request. I it was say. a very, it was a very heartfelt request. <laughs> because you were stuffed into one of the little bedrooms yeah. upstairs. I felt like Ryan in the office when <laughs> they stuck him in that closet. He had the, the work closet to work in. <laughs> so yeah, we have we finished the basement with a huge family room. Yes, everything's open. We have a a nice modern fireplace, gas fireplace. We. Built you an office, a very spacious office. Which, well, can't you post photos of this on the blog? Uh, they, I do. I have okay. photos all over the blog if they want to dig around on okay. some of the on some of the real estate posts. You should do a, the before basement pictures and after. I have those. Oh, yes. Who do you think you're talking to? Oh, my God, you are right. <laughs> I'm a real estate junkie. Remember that? Yes, yes, I know. You know, we're fine. I mean, this house is so far easily affordable. You know, I don't, anything can change at any time. We still have the the rental, which is, you know, moving along just fine on its own. Good tenants, Um, keeping it in shape. You know, we struggle whether we want to pay these mortgages off early or whether we should just continue to invest. So that's something, that's probably another show on its own. That's another show. Don't don't buy into the hype that you need to upsize your house. Don't make the American dream your nightmare. Correct. Because yeah, anymore it's it's buy a starter house, 
buy a big family home, upsized to a, a family home, your forever home, which isn't going to be your forever home. It's just what they like to call it because it's romanticized. It's a romanticized yes. term. We'll get to that. And then, and then you know, sell that house and go back to basically a starter house right. for when you're older. Um, so right there. And, and again, these are transaction costs. Right. You know, that Somebody's making money off of all of this. To buy and sell houses, the transaction costs alone typically run into the tens of thousands of dollars. Yes. That's that's a lot of money if you invest that over 30 years. I mean, I think I ran the, the math on, the, on a post I did recently um, about right-sizing your real estate. I know you hate that term, baby. We're back to the beginning now. Yes, it's kind of full circle. <laughs> but, you know, if you buy a $200,000 house, it could cost you, I forget what it was, maybe it was between 2 two and 5%, I believe, mm-hmm. for closing costs just to purchase the home. And that's on top of the down payment. And then to sell a $200,000 house, you're going to pay 6% in realtor fees. Um, and that's assuming the buyers aren't asking for closing cost help, which is quite common. So to buy and sell a single house at around $200,000, you're going to lose like $20,000 ballpark figure. So, but $20,000 invested for like 30 years at an 8% return, you could have $200,000. Yeah, you don't want to do you, you don't want to do too many real estate oopses. Right, right. You might so, you might be allowed one. Right, <laughs> right, and recover. But uh, yeah, so that's our two cents on on houses and right sizing your house and and just trying to be smart about all those transaction fees and right. and what's just what's common the best sense. for you. So okay, we're signing off. That was fun. Tune in next week to see if we bought a house. <laughs> might be a few weeks. Well, we'll find you. (laughs) Until then. See ya. Uh, Head on over to iTunes and give us a like and a review. And if you want to read our blog, it's madmoneymonster.com. And we are all over social media at madmoneymonster. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at themadmoneymonster at gmail.com.